Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, if you've ever taken an archaeology class or maybe watched a lot of natural history shows, then you know the importance of fire to human history. When humans were able to control fire and then cook with it, it changed everything. It changed our diet. It changed the trajectory of our development. So how did that happen? And what do we actually know about this incredibly significant period of our history? Well, Dr. Clayton McGill is a research fellow and assistant professor at Harriet Watt University's Global Research Center and joins us now. Dr. McGill, thank you for being here. My pleasure to join you this today. What is it that we know about this? How did this happen and how are we learning about it? So the truth is we know very little about history in, in, uh, or fire in human history. And one of the reasons we have so much trouble finding out more about fire is because the remains are difficult to preserve or they're not easy to find. If we think about charcoal, it's a big, chunky, you know, black-looking thing, but that's not really well-preserved in sediments. So what we've started to do uh, with my research team is look for the molecules that make up that charcoal and all the information that's locked in them. Okay, so how do you do that? Like, where do you look? What we do is we, we go to archaeological... Sure. What we do is we go to archaeological sites, and we end up getting the unfun parts of the archaeological digs, not the fossils, not the bones, not the artifacts, but the soils and sediments associated with what some archaeologists think might be a a fire feature, something like a hearth or a, a bonfire place. And what we do is we take these little bits of soil, just a few grams, back to the lab, and we extract out of them the what's called polyaromatic hydrocarbons, or PAHs. It's a fancy word for incompletely burned things. Sort of the black soot you see come out of cars, it carries the same molecules. And those molecules tell us what the fire was made of, how hot it burned, how long it burned, and therefore what it might have been used for. Interesting. So, Dr. Miguel, what can we see in human history that tells us fire was so important? Like, what kind of leap did humans make that we are attributing to fire? One of the most important leaps in human history, our human evolution, as, as we're talking about ages um, well over hundreds of thousands of years ago, is the beginning of social interactions and, and, and social behavior. So these could be things like cooperating for an activity. They could be uh, language. They could be working together to do a job that one single person can't do, like carrying a large uh, auroch, sort of a, a pre-domesticated cow carcass across hundreds of kilometers. You can't do that by yourself. So what we found in the archaeological record is that as fire starts to emerge, or what we call controlled fire, we start to see things that change our understanding of human social behavior. We start to see children and adults in the same place. We start to see more than one adult not competing with one another, but working together. And maybe most interestingly, we start to see brain growth. We see the expansion of human brains that is directly linked to diet but also the way that we use social uh, behavior in our lives. That, to me, is the most fascinating part about this, too. I remember taking a couple of archaeology classes, and that leap where we see the difference in kind of what we can do in our, in our brain 
um, is really phenomenal. But are we we're still trying to track that down, right? Like we we see this happening, but we haven't been able to nail down exactly why. That's exactly true. There's a lot of different possibilities or reasons why brain encephalization could have happened. And we're starting to try to figure out which ones are the major drivers, which ones are, are simply coincidental. And that's really difficult because the archaeological record is so sparse and so fragmented, meaning that we never really find the first time something happens. We just find the first time that you can see it with, the, uh, with current excavations or something like that. So what we're starting to try to do is combine chemical analyses, like we're talking about here, with genetic analyses and fossil uh, analyses start to bring together a picture of humans and behavior, even though there's no one there to tell us about it directly. Okay, I guess my question with that is, so are we wondering if the fire caused a change in our cultural behaviors, or did it cause us to start cooking food, and therefore that changed our diet, therefore that improved our brain power? I'd argue the two go hand in hand. I think probably what happened first, at least in my opinion, is that fire unlocked cooked food essentially pre-digested food. But whenever you have cooked food, just like in the modern day, it starts to smell good. Other things start to notice. And that means you're going to have other people living in your community coming to, to, you know, maybe take a bite. But you also might have things like predators, carnivores, and uninvited guests, meaning that you have to work together as a team, not as an individual, in order to protect your food, your assets, and, and, and the area you live in. That also lends itself to things like sociality. Whenever you're close together trying to defend a common resource or take advantage of a common resource like food, you have to work together. And that means you need things like uh, body language, uh, oral language or vocal language, as well as other cooperative behaviors that require bigger brains. So there's sort of a positive feedback or a reinforcement mechanism there. Hmm. How long ago are we talking about, Dr. Miguel? So the research that we've done uh, in Europe is 250,000 years old. but I think that it would be short-sighted to say that this is the oldest instance of the kinds of behaviors we're talking about. There's some evidence that suggests that humans were using fire, maybe different than controlling fire, uh, at least 1.8 million years ago, with some locations in uh, Eastern Asia and North Africa suggesting controlled fire, meaning there's an intent and a purpose of maintaining the fire, uh, as far back as maybe 700 or even 800,000 years ago. The problem is linking that with tools and the fossil record that's so important for understanding human intention. Finding burnt, butchered bones doesn't necessarily mean that humans or human ancestors were purposely cooking them. It just means that there was something that was butchered put into a fire one way or another. What we're trying to do with my research team and more widely in the community is link that concept of intention, a specific resource being used for a specific reason with an expected outcome put that together in the archaeological record, again, without any written words or anyone to tell us what they were thinking. Right. This is fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for talking to us about it this morning. It's so much fun. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share science. That is Dr. Clayton McGill, Research Fellow and Assistant Professor at Harriet Watt University's Global Research Center. It was fascinating. One of my favorite classes that I ever took at school was an archaeology class, and that was just like that, actually. Love it.